painting horses. She is. I love how they're courteous to her. Isn't this another fascinating thing? The people or the horses? Yeah, the people. Yeah, I think the people are very but The sweet. horses? The horses were courteous too. I really liked them. Excuse me, ma'am. Would you like me to stand still while you paint me? No, I liked the horses. It was so cool when she let that kid feed the horse. I'm like, that's my dream. I would go to Westworld and just like feed horses all day. You just see like the horse literally carrying her across the water because it's so courteous. What the fuck? Welcome back to Without Limits, a Westworld podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I am joined by the lovely and intelligent Jessica. And this is our inaugural episode for Without Limits, a Westworld podcast. You're probably wondering, why did he stumble for a moment? Well, that's because I originally called the show Violent Delights, and then I realized that somebody else had a show named Violent Delights, and I had to promptly change my name. No big deal. I wish them the best. Uh, but uh, we are with LSG Media. If you haven't heard of us before, you're in for a treat because I think we're pretty awesome. Uh, we are going to spoil each episode we cover. We are going to cover an episode weekly. We're going to swear. We might offend you. So just be warned. It's all in good fun. If you're the easily offended type, you might as well just mosey on right back into town because we don't want you around these parts. So that is my, uh, that's my message. That's my big time message for everybody. We're going to talk about it. This episode is called The Original. There's plenty to get to, but let's just get to some opening impressions about Westworld, some of the ideas about it, and then we will go through this episode proper, scene by scene, and then we'll wrap with some final thoughts. We might throw in some listener comments. We might not. I don't know. We haven't decided yet. And uh, that is about it. So, Jessica, how are you doing on October 3rd, 2016 with a brand new podcast? Oh, I'm doing pretty good today. Um, I had the whole day off, which was awesome. Sweet. I watched this episode for the second time today. I still liked it. I still like it now. I wanted to find like a bunch of behind the scenes stuff on HBO like I do for Game of Thrones, and they were really lacking in that category, so I was disappointed in that. Okay. But I guess there's only so much you can do on your first season. There's only so much you can do. There'll be more and more. Because there better be. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're coming off of covering Game of Thrones, also by the HBO, the lovely people at HBO. And when you're six seasons in, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of theoretical stuff going on. You're discussing a lot of the complexities of the relationship. So this episode will be a little bit different because it's going to be a lot of initial observation and curiosity as to what's going to go forward. We'll discuss some of the ideas presented. We will discuss something that I think is important, and that is how much will they do with this show? How many seasons can they get out of it? Will they go to Roman world? Will they go to medieval world? What are the, are there limitless possibilities? What are they going to do? We know that this was very expensive. I believe it was $100 million. It was expensive as fuck. So uh, I also know that Game of Thrones is expensive as fuck, but it's paying off for them. So I think Westworld, uh, I think HBO is confident in Westworld, which is exciting. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So Jessica. Yes. Westworld. I'm very curious as to your opening impressions on Westworld, because I know you're not a huge fan of the Western, which nope. I happen to be a huge fan of. Not even a little. And um, I've never really asked you why. I won't get into that now. We'll have I to have a discussion. I don't know if I have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't wonder, ask me. How many have you actually, well, I ain't going to get into it. I lied. I don't even know. I've how many never have you seen actually one. seen? Really? I saw Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and that, that was all right. That's a great movie. I was okay with that movie. Great movie. 
well, then maybe you don't know what you're talking about and you should just, uh, you know. Gunslingers, no character development, blah, blah, bored. You haven't seen one. That's pretty ludicrous to nope. say. I haven't. You're like, well, there's clearly not character development in these because uh, I said so. Interesting. I like Westerns in space. Westerns in space. I get it. You're talking about Firefly? Yeah. Well, give me your initial impressions of uh, the Westworld TV show. Talk to me a little bit about the original and what you think's going on here. Oh, I thought you meant the original is in the movie and how I think about that is that I've never seen it. Nope. So do not expect any of that perspective from me. I have not seen a minute of Westworld, the movie, although the concept of it has always been very fascinating to me. I like uh, theme park things. I like theme parks gone wrong. Mm. Um, I like Michael Crichton, but I never saw the movie because, you know, Western. So mm -hmm. I said, eh, no, thanks. I'll move on. And I did. But then I wanted to watch the show. So I said, I will give this a try. What was it about Westworld that intrigued you initially? I, I mean, the preview. The, see, what interests me is obviously not the Western aspect of it, but I'm really interested in the idea of artificial intelligence and how much, how cognizant they can be. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked Ex Machina. Sure. It, it, this seems to be a theme that we're starting to go with now. We I, as in a society? Yeah, yeah. I feel I like this is something that we're starting to see more and more movies with this theme, like how human are you? What makes you human? You know, like freaking data. Right. Know, I, I like that type of story arc. Am I sentient? Am I alive? Yeah. Am I a person kind of stuff. Exactly. What am I? Do I have rights? That fascinates me. Sure. I like the I like the mystery idea of okay, so who's a robot that we don't know is a robot? Especially who works for the company. Right, because right. we know that's coming. Absolutely. But I even liked it in this episode. I liked um uh Teddy being presented to us as if he was human. And then surprising us that he's not. And I know it was a quick reveal, but I still liked it. Sure. It was it was a good way to pull you in and to show you that you don't actually know what's going on and who's who necessarily. Gotcha. What was it that stood out to you in particular about this episode? I really like Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. I mean, she's incredible. She's great. She's a great actress. I like her character. I like her story. I like. I always like Anthony Hopkins too. Mm -hmm. I always like Ed Harris too, even when he's raping robots. I still think he's yeah. a cool guy. Can you rape a robot? Well, I don't know. This goes back to the same question. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I'll probably get hate mail for that, but that's what we do here. Sometimes we get hate mail. I I liked it. I liked the characters. I liked the idea of them moving beyond it. I really liked Peter Abernathy. Obviously, the malfunctioning robot. Sure, he's that was that was great. He's right. great. And how do I know him? What is he in? Somebody tell me what I know him from. Thank you. You have a computer. You can probably look it up, which is crazy. There's this thing called Google. Gosh, fine. So my, fine. Initial in uh, my initial impressions of Westworld, the original, I am beyond excited for this television show. I think there is a lot of potential here. And if I'm taking a high-level look at it, if you just say to me, Westworld, now I've seen the movie, so it's a little bit different. I kind of knew what to expect, although... Having seen the movie, I was thrown off a little at one point, and I took something for granted that ended up confusing me briefly, but then it was explained to me by Jessica, and I said, oh, shit, I missed that. That's right. Explain and I was, going off of a, uh, I was going off of a previous incarnation of this movie that was inaccurate, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. Specifically, of course, Ed Harris is not a robot. He is a man, presumably, uh, which threw me off in the beginning because when this started, I thought for sure that Teddy was a man, and that the man in black was just like in the movie. In the movie, they go, and the man in black, played by Yul Brenner, sort of malfunctions. He's a gunslinger, and he's dangerous, and he wears all black, and he's menacing. And I was like, oh, that's this character, but it's a little flip on the script, which I really appreciated. There's a lot to talk about in this. There is a ton of stuff going on in Westworld. First, it's 
science fiction cowboys. Okay, you have my attention. Um, I am a fan of the Old West genre. If you listen to the Science Fiction Film Podcast, you know, uh, if you listen to our 310 to Yuma episode, you know that I am a fan of the Western genre. I love it. I think there's, uh, I think there's something very romantic about it, and uh, it's just fun. Now you throw in the science fiction twist, and like Jessica alluded to, when you have this ex machina piece to it, you start to get into some deeper themes that are not explored in a traditional Western genre. Things like identity, who am I, do I have rights? These aren't classic themes associated with the Western, which is what I find most fascinating about this show. So there's that. Then you have a lot of the, the, the obvious moments, the mystery of, wow, what's going on? What does it mean that these guys have been recycled over and over again? What does it mean that, um, Jesus, what's her name? <laughs> Dolores. What does it mean that Dolores is the oldest of the models? Oh, I'm so excited about that. Does that that mean that she's, that maybe she's made in the likeness of Anthony Hopkins' daughter or something weird, or maybe she's got a billion memories, or, uh, so there's that. There is the idea of these running narratives. Just from a storytelling perspective, I am so fascinated by this. Uh, As somebody who used to play RPGs and write games for people a long time ago, that part of it fascinates me. This guy, Lee, this British guy who says, there's all these narratives. I'm trying to keep them in order. The, the, the people can fuck them up. Like, that is something I can, I really grasp. That's something I can really wrap my head around because, uh, in, in pardon the nerdy tangent, but if you've ever written games or interactive storytelling games, D&D and shit like that, one of the things that's always a variable is that you don't know what the players are going to do. And it really reminds me of Westworld and that you don't know what the guests are going to do It's not like a movie. When you write a movie, you know what everyone is going to say and what they're going to do. It's been predetermined by the script. In Westworld, they just have these script outlines, and these script outlines suddenly can become interacted with differently. And we see that as Dolores repeats her day and little things change. That stuff fascinates me. Another thing that fascinates me is we're watching it. What the original film does is it shows you these human beings who are going to Westworld to live out their fantasies. And your perspective is always the humans. The great thing about Westworld is that when we are in Westworld, what this show has already done successfully is it's put you right into the POV of the robots. You do not have a single solitary human point of view in the theme park of Westworld. You have Teddy and Dolores... You see what's going on with them. You see what's going on with Abernathy or Peter, which is Dolores' father. You do not have a robot perspective in West, uh, a human perspective in Westworld. It's only artificial life perspective. Except for the man in black. Except for the man in black, but you don't, he's just a mystery. You don't really get his perspective. You just see him interacting with the robots. And our perspective is, this guy's a son of a bitch. What is he doing? In the movie, it's, He's a son of a bitch. What's he doing to our human characters? So it's a real flipping of the script where we start to become attached because we're human beings, because they look perfect, which we're going to talk about, because we empathize with them as being like us. So our empathy is is a, is like an eyeline match because we feel for them because we know they're people. We watch Dolores go through her day with Teddy and all this stuff happen and her father gets shot and all these things. And we're empathizing with these robots because that's what they want you to do. And when Ed Harris shows up, you're like, ooh, he's an outsider. And he's the fucking human. He, you're supposed to be team people, but it, it, 
it makes you think. And that's what I think is so awesome about this. We see robots interacting with each other, going through this script that can be interrupted by a guest at any moment. And that's what makes it so fascinating. You could look at it on the surface like, oh, there's just a theme park, it's West. But there's a lot of layers of things going on that make you think. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. It really is. It's interactive role-playing. <laughs> it's like a... It's it's like if you were it's like if you took World of Warcraft to the next level and you were just, I mean this is this type of entertainment is coming in some fashion be it through VR goggles or something but this is the kind of shit that yeah, look at Pokemon Go right they're just gonna turn that into you know it's, it's Dungeons wild. and Dragons Go you're gonna walk around your world playing that game I don't know anything about it but it's I know true. there's a Demogorgon yeah. yeah it's wild so. I love, I love that about this. I love that we are just watching robots go about their life and interact and have their own struggle and have their very own world. In the movie, we knew we were going to a place that was full of robots and was fake, but they, you were there to interact with them. When you go on the holodeck in Star Trek, you know you're programming something. We, the point of view is always on the visiting guest or the participating member of the fantasy and that is the human. In this, we open with the perspective of the actual robots. It's fucking awesome. That really gave me pause, and it made me think. I was so pulled into this interaction with Dolores in her day-to-day life. That's what I think about it in general. It makes me think a lot. So I guess I'm done with my preamble. Without further ado, let's talk about HBO's original series, Westworld, episode one, the original. What is your name? Rose. He's a rose. He's a rose. What is your itinerary? To meet my maker. Ah. Well, you're in luck. And what do you want to say to your maker? Shall have such revenges on you both the things I will do, what they are, yet I know not, but they will be the terrors of the earth. You don't know where you are, do you? You're in a prison of your own sins. Turn it off. So, Jessica. Yes. Let's start off with the opening of this bad boy, shall we? Yep. Um, one of my favorite things in the world is the bookends. I love when we do the bookends, and I like that we get it in this episode. The voiceover that we start with her doing at the beginning, we repeat at the end. Um, I like I like that. I always like that. I always think it's a good sure. little choice. Um, so this is this is interesting. I think this pulls you right in right away. The questions they're asking her as we're seeing her answer as a voiceover and we're watching this day. Sure. It's a good point. They bring her back online. She's terrified. She shows us that she has thoughts. Okay. And then she starts to talk about her perspective. Now, this is interesting because if this is something we know about robots now in their primitive form, they don't have a perspective. They don't 
think about things. They might say they have a perspective based on programming, but it could all just be bullshit. So she sees the beauty in the world, the goodness, not the ugliness. She believes in purpose and that there is an order to the day. What do you think about her complex thought process already? Like right away, you get it thrown at you. Yeah, and I think that says a lot. And I think it's trying to show you right off the bat that the robots are not really normal robots. Right. They're going to be indistinguishable, which later on in the episode, Lee brings up a great point about that, saying that that might be a problem. We might want to roll them back. We might want people to be reminded that they are, in fact, fake. They ask her about the guests and the newcomers. She recalls her father's lessons. At one point, she says, we were all new to this world. She supposes the newcomers are just looking for a place to be free, a place to stake out their dreams, a place with unlimited possibility. This is, uh, I love this Western sensibility, right? She's a woman who is positive. She thinks that many things are going to be possible. She has a bright outlook. She, su- she supposes that all these newcomers are doing the same thing as she's trying to do, and that's get through her day, stake out her dreams, and have unlimited potential. I like her immediate turning away from like phrasing that would indicate that they are not like her when they say, what do you think of the guests? Right. which is what they are. They're guests in a theme park. And she's like, oh, well, do you mean the newcomers? Sure, great like she point. doesn't even, these things that mean she is different and there is something going on that is beyond what she knows, she just course corrects. Sure. Like she's like, oh, you mean the newcomers? She doesn't stop and say, well, guests. Mm-hmm. We'll see that later with the picture when her father's like, but look at this, isn't this weird? And she's like, I don't see anything weird. It's very interesting. It's a good point. It's the ultimate mind fuck because they are not... If we talk about Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series, the idea of the sleeper Cylon is something where you have a person who believes they're a person, but they're actually a Cylon agent. But because of the suspicious activity that they experience in their varying levels of consciousness, they suspect something might be wrong with them. I don't want to say any spoilers, but it's a little bit different. Data in Star Trek, he knows that he is in fact a artificial life form. Roy Batty in Blade Runner knows that he is an artificial life form, that his days are numbered. These creatures, these beings, have no clue that they are anything other than people that are part of this narrative. They don't have a concept of themselves outside of the programming, which involves the setting they find themselves in. Imagine if we were robots. It's and great. Somebody was just controlling us, and we just have no idea. Because why would we? We just think this is our life. But secretly, I may be a robot. Sure. And just repeat my day all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of this. How do I know? There's a lot of crazy shit like this. Like the reality you've been living for as long as you've been living it isn't is isn't as you know it. I mean that it's like is like the Truman Show. If you were to tell, <laughs> if you were to chop up Peter Abernathy and show his body in his in his circuitry to his daughter Dolores, she'd freak out and still not realizing herself is the same thing. You know, it's. Her perspective is so incredible. But I do like that they have fail-safes. So they do have some watch-outs in their programming, like when they see the image later in the episode and she totally ignores it, uh, but Peter doesn't. So there's a lot of built-in security, com- uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, contingencies. There's a lot of security contingencies to make sure that should weird things happen at the park, right? Right. So we get a look at Sweetwater. We get a train come into town. We follow Teddy, played by James Marsden. Presented to us as a newcomer, based on the voiceover. She says, oh, the newcomers? And we look right at Teddy. Yep. Say, oh, yep, he's definitely. And my impression before I even watched an episode of the show, based on commercials, I feel, was that, I don't know, he just always struck me as he was not going to be a robot. I don't know why. I don't know why that was 
in my head. I thought he was a robot right up, right up in during the shooting. Yeah. No, you, during the shooting, I thought he was a robot. Still, I was like, "Wait a second, he just got you, you killed." Mean you thought he was a human. A human. Sorry. Whoa, Dean has already switched sides. No, that's what I meant. He is a I, robot. I misspoke. Um, yeah, I I agree. The the moment that I realized it was well, we'll we'll get there when we get there. The moment I realized it was off, but, but there you, were little hints. There's a lot in this. There's a lot going on in this that makes you believe we're getting the perspective of a newcomer who's arriving in town and experiencing Westworld. Right. So we're seeing our robot, Dolores, and getting her perspective. And then we're also going to get the perspective of this newcomer, Teddy. So we think. So we think. And it's going to be the story of a robot falling in love with a human. Yeah. Oh, God. They're going to kiss at the end of the episode. So we follow Teddy as he walks through Sweetwater. Um, he bumps into a rugged looking man. It looks like he might go for his pistol, but he doesn't. The sheriff tries to recruit him to chase a man named Hector, an outlaw, a bandit. Yeah, Hector. Who's hanging out in the mountains. Uh, he, of course, declines. He enters a saloon. He gets a drink. We meet Clementine, who greets him and assumes that he is new. I do want to say before, even that with Clementine, which indicates that he's a newcomer, he's coming on the train, newcomer. He walks off the train with this couple, and they're like, this is incredible, and right. it better be for what we're paying. Sure. They, again, he's like grouped in with these people, and we continue on where Clementine, the prostitute with the heart of gold. Yep. Um, with, the, with the past and lots of thoughts, she thinks <laughs> that he's new. Right. So I, I'm forced to think at this point, is this part of the immersion experience for the guests. So you're a prospective guest. You're going to go to Westworld. You pay her, I think it's $40,000. How do you know how much you pay? I think I heard that. In the episode? Yep. Because if this is from the 70s movie, inflation has changed. No, I think it's from okay. the episode. Um, and uh, they, you get on this train and they're going to, you're going to ride the steam engine into Sweetwater and take part in quote unquote Westworld. But on the train, there are, there are artificial implants, which is funny. Because I wonder if the guests are briefed as, as to who's a human and not. Because no, I bet they're not. There's going to be a like. danger, right? A human could go after a human not realizing it. Hmm. They, right? I, now, here's one thing I did read somewhere. That's that the, interesting. Think about that, right? I, I did read that the bullets, that they have they have like crazy magic gun in their guns, which is if you point it at a human, it won't hurt a human. If you point it at an android, it will. Like the gun is programmed to Maybe, change ammunition. It, but even if you think about it, it could just shoot blanks. And if you shoot at a... A person like it's just their it, programming blows it up or it's whatever. Not, though. Well, okay. Well, I had an idea too. Okay. Okay, it's dumb. I don't like your idea. <laughs> <sighs> whatever. Magic, magic guns. Then. Yeah. It's All right. A, magic yeah, guns makes much Move more on. sense. Magic guns make much more sense. Uh, but no, that's what they have. They have it's some sort of really in-depth sensor. I mean, they made a fucking robot fantasy world. They can make guns that fire fire uh, blanks at people in actual ammunition at at. Okay, but there's going to be, there's got to be yeah, blanks. That's what I said. Okay, but I win. <laughs> there's got to be a liability here is my point. Let's not get pulled off into the weeds here. Fine. There has to be liability here and there has to be a situation where you have, I mean, you there's, there accidents can happen. So there's going to be liability, but I wonder, they must not realize other humans that are there, other guests. They can't know. It doesn't make sense because they can't say, here's all. They, they said that... You think they'd wear What like do they something. say? 10% of the population was 200 robots yeah, yeah, it's later? Massive. So there's no way they can give you a list of all the people until you're walking down the road and you're like, oh, shit, look at this guy right here. Let me see. Oh, look at this prostitute. Is she an actual lady? Sure. Or is she a robot? My wife is cool with me banging her and you go through your fucking dossier 300 pages long trying to figure it out. Right. So that does not work. You do not know who is who. You right. just assume. You say that Chinese guy, He probably he's probably a newcomer. He's right. probably a guest. That but, rough and tumble looking, you know. 
that's pretty cool though. I mean, that, that makes it even cooler and it means that there's more possibilities because if, if Dolores or one of these robots, if one of these people get hip to that, they could say they're a person just to lie. And like, I can see this in future episodes where Dolores is like, no, no, I'm a person. I'm, I'm a, I, I'm here on vacation. Right. I could Once she figures that shit out, yeah. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, man. Like I can see some deception coming if they if these revelries, which allow them to revelries, revelries break uh, revelries. I'm thinking fucking Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of Shakespeare. A lot of on Shakespeare. This. A lot of Shakespeare. But anyway, again, this is pardon pardon my random tangents on my lines of thoughts because there's going to be many as there's plenty to think about in this episode. That's for sure. So. Prostitutes with hearts of gold. Yes. Maeve butts in and says, you always pay for it. Our prices just happen to be on the door. Love her, by the way. Love her. Uh, We should probably talk a little bit about the cast. Of course, Evan Rachel Wood plays Dolores. Love Newton plays Maeve Millay. Um, (laughs) Jeffrey Wright plays Bernard Lowe. He's good, too. Awesome. James Marsden, (laughs) Teddy Flood. Also love him. I don't care what Dean says. Ingrid Balso Birdall plays Armistice. She's the blonde with the lever action rifles at the end. She's got like the fucked up face in this, but in real life, she's actually the most beautiful human being I've ever seen. We got a Luke's Hem, a Hemsworth brother. He plays Stubbs. Simon Quarterman plays Lee. Rodrigo Santoro, Hector. So it's a great cast. Obviously, they spared no expense when it comes to the casting. We're just going to skip right over Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris because if you don't know that, then get out of my podcast. They're just gods among men. Honestly. So Teddy spots Dolores and goes after her. We get a voiceover from Bernard asking her questions. Do you feel? Oh, see, it's Bernard asking her questions. You say there was discussion about this in the chat. About so. who's asking her the questions. I thought Because so. at the end of the movie, it's Stubbs questioning her. But it doesn't oh, sound like it it's, is. But it doesn't sound like him voice wise. So I was just saying to the chat that um, she's probably been asked these questions hundreds of times over the course of her time there. It's probably two different instances. Right. So, do you ever feel inconsistencies or repetition? All life has routine, she says. Mine is no different, but she is aware that her life can change based on one encounter. She does say that. Right, and it can, but then it's just going to reset tomorrow. So, Right, but she, but again, we just see the depth of her perception as yeah, it relates like to being artificial. She has no clue about that whatsoever. Um, she drops a can of fruit, I guess is what it was. I'm Something not sure sweet, what that's all I know. Yep. Um, that Teddy picks up, just trying to be chivalrous. She knows him. Just trying to look chivalrous. This is, I like this um, in the repetitions that we see because that line will come back later in a different circumstance. And it's funny how the programming to say a specific thing can mean so many different things. Right. Um, But I do like that. She says you came back. And this is where I got a little confused because I'm like, okay, so is he a newcomer? Does she remember the newcomers in this That's subconscious way? That's what I thought. And then I started to think like, guest. okay, so he's come multiple times and she remembers this plot line from him. I, at this point, I understand that they're totally wiped every day, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, so she remembers this guy who has come before. Because we haven't seen her repeat the same day yet. Right. But again, little little clues. I like it. Dolores flirts a little and uh, they take a ride on horseback through the countryside which is beautiful, by the way. I think they shot this in Utah. It's gorgeous. But I'm not sure. Outside of town, um, she makes a, jo- a joke about him dressing like a cowboy, but that's the extent of it. Again, I beautiful love... Beautiful foreshadowing. I love, no, but I love the hints that he's not... He does not belong when right. he actually does. Yeah. I love that they give him the storyline, like that this is their story separate from people. They still have this story between right. them. It's, it is very immersive. Sure, and that's, that's the only way it works. 
The yes. only way it works is if the people in the towns have, motivations have and... their own motivations, their own drives, and they have relationships with other people and interactions with the rest of the, what are they called? Hosts? The hosts, yes. I don't want to call them robots anymore. I'm going to call, I call them hosts. So the hosts all have their own interpersonal relationships and perceptions of one another as well. And that's something that I think is brilliant. Again, a fully immersive experience requires this. For sure. They talk about the Judas steer. This is a pretty funny, uh, funny way to call it. Uh, the Judas steer will follow the rest of the steer anywhere. And the reason they call it a Judas steer is because typically it was used to lead a cow to slaughter. And hmm. it's almost like he's a betrayer because he's leading yes. them to their yeah. death. Um, and a lot of times if the Judas steer was competent enough by way of training uh, and or just by the way of its natural gifts as a, that, like an alpha animal, they would actually spare it and use it over and over again, which is funny. And I started to think, is there something here? Is there, is there a metaphor for a Judas steer leading these people? Um, some kind of, is that Probably. going on, right? It's not obvious if there is one, but there is a lot of slaughter going on and there's a lot of people being led to slaughter. I, I feel like this is going to be a show where we're going to come back to a lot of things. I, I concur. They're, they're looking for their heir apparent to Game of Thrones. Yes, they got to they be sure real are. smart with this shit. They got two seasons to get it good and ready to go. Yep, they do. I'm, I'm pretty confident based on the, my initial impressions, but we'll talk about that at the end. So Teddy asks how she can pick them out, and she says she just knows these things. Uh, this is another line that could seemingly be a throwaway line, but it it's it's encapsulates the whole episode. She just knows shit because she's yeah. programmed to know shit. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Teddy tries for a kiss. No luck. Dolores says that her daddy won't be happy to see him. Yeah, they got a previous relationship too, apparently. Do you want to talk about the uh, the piano music playing and stuff? Because that's always something that indicates the reset. What do you mean? They show they keep they show the piano, right? Don't they show the piano when he's coming into town, and then they show it again mm, when she? Yeah, gets but no, up. but they've showed it other times too. Okay, I just didn't know if that because they showed it. She'll click on when those fool when Hector was coming into town. They showed it too. Oh, okay. Because they were paying, playing painted black. Yeah, that was then. slick, by the way. Yeah, I love the piano playing old-timey Western, Western music, but it's actually amazing songs. I'm really high on that. Yeah, it's cool. Love it. So they get to Dolores' home at nightfall. They hear some gunfire. Bad shit is going down. And now we are wondering what's happening. So Teddy charges off after it. Uh, we see a couple of outlaws. I believe uh, Walter and Tenderloin are their names. God. Yeah, I know one's Walter. I think it's Walter and Tenderloin, but I could be way off on that. I will find out soon enough, I'm sure. Walter is the correct one that we know of. Yeah. Uh, it should be noted uh, at this time, since I'm already into this pretty deep, that we're recording this live, actually, on Mixler. Um, we record a lot of episodes live on Mixler, which is where we broadcast live. So any mistakes or fuck-ups we have are going to be out there for the uh, internet to consume and make fun of. But if you go to Mixler.com, slash lsg-media that's mixler.com slash lsg-media you will find um, our live shows broadcast there and i also want to mention at this point that if you go to schedule.libertystreetgeek.net that's schedule.libertystreetgeek.net we will keep you informed as to when these episodes will come on i know jessica hinted at we're going to probably record on tuesdays release on wednesdays that's what we're shooting for mm -hmm. but just keep your eye on the schedule to make sure if we have to move stuff around an hour here an hour there if you're going to join the live shows things get crazy my yeah. schedule is very both fluid. of our schedules are pretty wild so they get up there and they see a couple of outlaws drinking milk. There's a lot of uh, milk shit going on. 
How could you? How did you deal with this? You know. <laughs> how could you deal with this, Jessica? How I feel about milk. And as I was watching the episode, we watched it with friends of ours. And I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I don't understand. Why are you murdering someone drinking milk? Is that milk even cold? Like, how long have you been holding it? It made me want to puke when the guy got shot and his blood was mixing. I can't even. Ugh, <laughs> ugh, I, I do not know why milk is a theme. I don't want to know. And I want there to be no more milk in the rest of the show ever. It really, really grosses me out. Well, there's I don't like it. Because they're made in this milky white substance. Oh my God, I want to vomit just thinking about it. It's so, and I'm not overreacting. It's disgusting. For sakes. Yes, you are. <sighs> Jessica's never hyperbolic, guys, if you haven't noticed. I really hate milk. Yeah. You know that. Dean drinks it and I like watch him and like gag. I do? When you drink milk, yeah. When's the last time I had a glass of cold milk? I don't remember, thank God. Okay. Yeah, they get dipped in milk. That's right. Damara says in the chat. <laughs> oh, androids don't care about milk temperature, but I care when I'm watching them. Yeah. Maybe the milk is broken down old androids, Aaron says. That's brilliant Ew. and disgusting. That makes you even grosser. They just feed them back to him. That's oh God, dark. Anyway, uh, they show up. They shoot Dolores' father, uh, and Teddy opens up on them with his repeater, his uh, lever-action raffle. Her mom's already dead, by the way, too, and I want to point out that um, Walter. Walter's upset that the mom is already dead because he couldn't bang her first, and the other guy goes, just bang her now. She's still warm. So... In true HBO fashion, we are going to get a lot of rape going on here. So mm -hmm. you're easily offended. Lots of people are about to get raped. Lots. Sorry, guys. A lot of rape into them dirty robots. A lot of nudity, even some penises. Yeah. Lots of I saw rape. a couple of yard arms. I saw, I saw more penises in this episode of Westworld than I did in all of Game of Thrones. So, I mean, I guess I'm high on that, you know. There you go. Being equality between genders. Wow. <laughs> You only named two genders, though, you cisgendered white privilege shitlord. Whatever. Uh, anyway, um, there's a voiceover. What if I told you that there are no chance encounters? What if I told you that you were built to gratify the people who visit your world? The people that you call the newcomers. Why do you think he's asking her this? To test her limits? Yeah. Well, for sure. It, it, it makes sense as she doesn't have the thought process to lie to him. So he can go through and he can ask her these things and see what her reaction is and gauge how yep. she's going to continue to interact in Sweet Briar or whatever the hell it's sweet called. Sweet water. <laughs> sweet Briar's close, though. I, I, I almost said Sweet Berry. I, I went through a lot before I came to still the wrong one. The Man in Black arrives. What an entrance by our main man, Ed Harris. I love Ed Harris. He's so good. Not a young man anymore, Ed no, Harris. He looks like a badass motherfucker, man. Oh, boy. He sure does. He is a badass motherfucker. And he's about to rape people, too, so don't you worry. Yeah, is that why you like him so much? No. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Well, he's been a guest for 30 years. And he says, you still don't remember me. And yeah. she's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? He's surprised. And uh, this is where my confusion was at an all-time high. I thought, is he really saying he's a guest? Is he? Right, I did not pick up on this. He thought he was a robot. And he was really confused when we were watching it. I was. I was like, wait a second. It was and embarrassing. Just kidding. And that's because the movie had me so fucked up on this. And when he turns and he shoots Teddy, after Teddy shoots him, he does no damage to him. That's when we learn that there's some protocols. Teddy has no idea what he's talking about. And then he finally gets sick of Teddy's nonsense and he puts one in Teddy's heart and down goes Teddy. Yeah, this is, I knew, I realized Teddy was a robot as soon as the man in black um, knew him by name. Right. And then he likened him to a dog. Like, did he learn any new tricks? Sure. And I'm like, sure. Makes sense. holy shit, this guy is actually a robot. I like 
he's an asshole, the man in black. Huh? He's an evil, yeah, evil bastard. Yeah, let's talk about him. I mean, what an introduction. This is the first human we've seen. And that's something that I think is important to discuss. Well, no, we saw the idiot couple who said they paid a lot of money. What about them? Yeah, I guess. But we didn't really see anything about them. They just step off the train. We know that they're rich as fuck. And this guy must be rich. He's been coming here for 30 years. That costs no $40,000 a day. No what shit. What does he do for work? I don't know. I don't know either, but I want his job. Right. But I think that's going to be part of the overall story. I think that's what's intriguing about this character is he seems so vicious. But then you have to wonder, if you went to this place, I'm not defending the man in black, but if you went oh to this boy, place. here we go. <laughs> here we fucking go. <laughs> if you went to this place and you wanted to rape robots, I mean, that's okay, right? You paid your $40,000. They're just robots. You've, like, the way he the way he behaves, you know, he scalps a guy, he cuts a guy's throat, he, he uh, presumably rapes Dolores, he shoots Dolores' father, right? No, he doesn't do that. He shoots Teddy. He does a lot of murder. Yeah, he's got a lot of shit to do. He's got a lot of people to murder and now, ruin their lives. I'm gonna I'm gonna just ask you to ask yourself something real quick. He's been coming here for thirty years. It's hard for a lot of people to imagine doing anything for thirty years. In fact, I would bet most people that listen to this podcast can't say they've done something like extravagant or 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 studied something for thirty fucking years. I've loved dogs for thirty years, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, but I would imagine there's a level of desensitizing here. He's been going for 30 years. I don't know how long he goes per stretch, but I wonder if he was timid at first. He's like, oh, this is weird. And then, and now he has this demeanor of a total psychopath who delights in the torture and death of these things. And part of me wonders, is this like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? What if he always had psychopathic tendencies and he can live out his fantasies in Westworld and not harm actual fucking people? Okay, sure. I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. Just thinking about it. Why are you shaking your head at me? I don't know. Okay. Because I love these robots. I mean, and I don't want bad things to happen to them. Um, by the way, I do want to point out Daniel Falch, Falch, Falch in the chat said earlier they had said there hadn't been like a breach and issue with protocol for 30 years. And the man in black says he's been visiting for 30 years. Ah. Is there a connection? Question, question, question. Hmm. Well, well, Jamie Lomas in the chat saying, I suspect Ed Harris is a robot thinking he's human. Ford probably created him to fuck things up like Neo on the Matrix. That's not a bad thought too because if if the last fuck up was the Yule Brenner man in black going bonkers and we're supposed to believe this is the same person from the film, if they're going to tie it back, they could have said they uh, reintroduced uh him making them think he's... Maybe he's like a higher echelon of host that thinks it's a human that it, right? That's Maybe. possible. Maybe. And I he's guess. figuring out like what's actually going on. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I do think, because I thought, I don't know what year Westworld the movie came 73. out. 73. Okay, so it wasn't 30 years. But I thought when they said, oh, there hadn't been something that had gone wrong in 30 years, I'm like, huh, they're making a joke about the movie. But I was wrong. Cause yeah. It wasn't 30 years ago. So whoops. Right. The, the, other, the other question is. The, the other question is he's he's really intrigued by Westworld. He's intrigued enough to want to learn more. You know, he, he later he scalps Kissy and he's doing these weird things. He's trying to figure shit out. He's trying to learn more. He's trying to get into the underbelly of Westworld and to figure it out. Why would a guest do that? Like that, but I don't know. We don't know anything about this guy. He's a total mystery at this point. Uh, Damaris in the chat was saying that he probably knows Dr. Ford. And I wonder if he does, if they have this pre-existing relationship. And I wonder if he's against Ford. Maybe. Um, in some way, if there's some type of rivalry between. 
between them of sorts. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. But um, it does it does challenge the gun idea unless they just have him registering as a human, mm-hmm. which is possible. I mean, sure, anything's possible. But I like it, man. There's a lot a lot of question a lot of question marks. But uh, Teddy and the Man in Black. Uh, that showdown is done. What if I told you uh, the voiceover uh, continues? What if I told you that you can't hurt the newcomers and they can do whatever they want to you? Because he's gonna he's gonna kill your boyfriend and rape you and such. the man in black wonders why they pair them off. He also muses about how Teddy was put here to lose. There can't be a winner without a loser. Winning doesn't mean anything unless someone else loses, which means you're here to be the loser. Right. Rude. So. uh before he blows Teddy away, we note that Teddy was unable to shoot him in the head. He just sort of collapses. And uh, yeah, it's weird. He does say, damn, it feels good to be back, the man in black says. So maybe he's been away for a little bit, doing other things. And another voiceover says, every new person I meet reminds me of how lucky I am to be alive and how beautiful this world can be. She's so sweet and innocent. Yep. So Dolores uh, starts a new day. On the train, two newcomers note how perfect Teddy looks, but one of the women says, he's too perfect. I prefer the bad guys. Yeah, okay. Well, when the man in black's raping you, we'll see what you think. <laughs> and then um, we move in, and we finally get a nice look in. We get we get some information, some much-needed information as to what's going on at this point. What is this show about? Give us a little bit of a look in on the underbelly. And I want to pause here because... If there's one, I didn't hear many complaints about this. I heard very raving reviews about this. I personally think it was great. A lot of the reviews that I'm hearing that have anything negative to say at all is they put a lot in one episode. What do you think about that? I know we kind of talked about it today when we were watching it. I agree that I think maybe we got a, tried to introduce a, maybe too many people in one episode. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I really think that this is correct is when Dean and I were like watching the second time and taking our notes, like every two minutes we were stopping. We're like, who is this person? Right. And we, I have the cast list name? up. And it's taking me five minutes just to find them in the cast list because it's so long. Right. Um, and I'm fine with having a lot of characters. I like ensemble shows. I watch lost. I watch game of Thrones. I'm cool with that. But, um, we did meet a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people in the first episode. I mean, a lot. We did. We met our main robots. We met our bad guy robots. We met our people that work behind the scenes. Then we met more bad guys. It, it was a lot. Yeah. It was yeah. a lot. I didn't mind it so much. I, I think there might have been a lot of characters introduced, but I think it's important that we saw a look in on the Westworld lab, the it, underbelly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fine with that too. I, I mean, I'm fine with that. It's, it's not a major complaint. It's just in general. There's a lot. There was a lot of information take in one in. episode. Yep, take it in. So we see technicians hard at work on robots, various types. Making horses. Yep. We get a nice tracking shot through the lab, robots moving around, people talking, uh, people taking notes. Uh, We meet a woman named Elsie, and we finally meet Bernard. They're observing Clementine's gestures. And this is important because they start to talk about the... uh, Reveries. Reveries. A specific gesture that is related to a memory. Talk about that. Yeah, this is interesting. This is a new update that was made on the robots. It was added by Doc Ford, apparently. And basically, there's something where the robots' memories are wiped every night. But until they're wiped and written over, they can still access them, like before it's purged. Basically, what this does is it makes it so they can access those memories before the memories are purged, which makes it almost like a subconscious. Right. So they're remembering things. I like that. That's good shit. You know what I mean? I think that's the explanation I got. It's the tiny things that make them seem real. This is true. A hooker with hidden depths. Yep, we love the hooker with hidden depths. We're a real fan. 
Bernard. I'm not going to make out with her like Elsie, but that's fine. I'm not a creep. <laughs> Bernard offers, it's the tiny things that make them seem real, the tiny things that make the guests fall in love with them. Bernard steps away and Elsie plants a big old kiss on Clementine's lips. What are your thoughts on that? I, they wanted two women to kiss because people like that. I don't know. Maybe she was like, I, I'm going to test this out. Like, is it really like how human is it? Yep. But it was still, that was a little odd to me. Well, what, what, that's it. I thought it was odd. I understand that they're probably trying to say, you know, she's interested in like, okay, how real are they? Like, what if I do? This? But I don't know. It was just weird. Hmm. It was a little weird. I found it a little weird. Okay. I'm all about women making out with women, but I don't know if it, I don't know. Yeah. It was necessary at that point. Uh, if part of me feels like you were onto something when you, you're the first thing you said, which is she's in the presence of this thing that we're told is not real. Imagine that. Right. Imagine sitting there if, Imagine sitting there and this thing is in a chair and people are telling you it is not real, but every indication points to it being just like you. So if you were sitting down. I'd suck its dick. Is that what you're about to ask me? And that robot was sitting across from you and you're like, wow, she looks really real. Would your immediate indication be like, I'll kiss her? Would that be my immediate reaction? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would cup the breasts and kiss her and see if it was real. Okay. <laughs> You're the one who made the point, not me. I was just trying to give you more credit. And now you're turning against me. Classic. I know, because that, that is the point I think they were trying to make, but I didn't know if they needed to do it by having her kiss her because I feel like, I don't know, is that your reaction when you see a robot? Like, let me make out with it? I just don't know. Who knows? I don't know. When they look like that, maybe. I don't know. All right. I guess so. So, Teresa reports that one of your creatures is restless to Bernard. Stubbs is also there. He seems to be a security of sorts. Yeah, he's the head of security. And Teresa has some sort of managerial role. She suggests an armed response team. Bernard isn't sure why Stubbs wants an armed response. And Stubbs reminds him that he doesn't have kids. They all rebel eventually, he says. Uh, so, Bernard has kids, though, because he looks at a little picture of that little boy. So he had kids once, everybody. Right. Don't worry. We're going to be making robots of dead kids soon. It's coming. At fucking season two. So here's what's going on here. We have... A robot, a robot or a host has activated in this cold storage area, and that concerns them. They should not be activating down there. They're shut off. So they're concerned. They make their way downstairs to level 83. Now, that tells us just how massive this facility is below ground. It's yeah, for a to level 83. gigantic place. There's at least three seasons between those levels. <laughs> oh, for sure. So level 83 is a bit of a dump. We notice the water rushes in as soon as they open it up. Cooling unit's not working, but it's cool. It's going to be just fine. They open a cold storage unit, walk through a bunch of new robots just standing there. They come upon Ford talking to an old model named Bill. This is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's great. I, I the second time is just as good. The way this person playing this robot moves and interacts and that you can see the difference in how far they've come from an earlier model to now is so fucking creepy and so brilliant and so cool to watch. I love it. And you watch him repeat himself, this robot, mm -hmm. and how he only has certain motions that he can make. Yeah. Like he drinks. He puts his arm up and down. He tells the same story, the white shoes. This is a very clever use of special effects as well. Oh, it's so good. The way he is herky-jerky, the way he freezes, the way his face moves. This is incredible uh, i thought it looked great his name was bill i think we're supposed to believe he was wild bill hickok mm -hmm. he looks like him same hair same hat the whole nine yards and i just thought it was a very it was cool to watch him move in an artificial fashion 
so cool, so creepy. And when he does, you there's almost like a you feel like a grotesque reaction to it. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you know the evolution of your mind as a human being that's been on this planet for a, a fucking long, long time. We've seen how humans move and the way they behave. And when they behave in an alien fashion, it gives us pause. Yes. And that's what we saw here. We saw the way we watched him in observing Bill. You couldn't help but get this weird revolting feeling like, oh, whoa, what the fuck? Like you you have that moment when you see him like pause the herky jerkiness of him. And uh, I thought that was kind of neat. I agree. Um, somebody in the chat wants to know why Ford was talking to him. I imagine that he woke up and wasn't supposed to, and Ford just got down there first and was sitting having a conversation with him. I think honestly. that's probably the truth. Um, because he just says, go to sleep. And he says, thank you. I'll just zip myself up in my body bag like Gross. fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Tina. It's so creepy. It's, oh <laughs> man, I love it. I love that scene so, so much. Right. It was great. Dolores comes down the stairs. Repeating her morning again. Right. Um, oh, we we should probably talk about Bernard's discussion with Ford. Hello. Oh yeah. Um, about how the reveries are awesome. Correct. Yeah. Do you want? Do you just want to touch on that? I just wrote Bernard talks to Ford about how awesome the reveries are. Yep. Afford me some <laughs> mistakes once in a while, essentially. Nope. That conversation is later. Oh, is it? Yep. You're okay. getting ahead of yourself. That I have stuff to talk about. So Dolores comes down the stairs. Her conversation starts up with dad and uh, he wants her home by dark. He's such a sweetie pie. Yeah, is he not? There's a bandit running around them parts. Yeah, Hector. He's a bad guy. We don't want to mess around with that stuff, do we? Um, I. He's very sweet. He's so sweet to her and it's really adorable. Yep. He was once a lawman. This is funny because these, do you see the programming here? Yes. Sheriff was one of his old routines. Yes. And it's funny that they let it linger in his memory, in his programming, to have him feel like he, he was, was a young man once upon a time. So this is a dangerous game you're playing. And, and we're going to see it. Right. This is something we've talked about when, when, whenever we've talked about Battlestar Galactica. It, it keeps coming back to that because you want these things to appear as human as possible. And in doing so, you kind of lose control of them. You get into very dangerous territory. Because they become human. They become more human than human, in a sense. Yeah, for real. Now, yeah, this is the Tyrell Corporation's uh, motto, more human than human. So he says some nice stuff to her. He says, I, I am what I am because of you. I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, he's just being a sweetheart, a sweetie pie dad. Sweetie pie, as Dean would say. It's funny that we are still watching interactions between robots. And we're like, oh, that's And we're sweet. feeling something. So if, ep- if, if the original, if episode one, season one, had a point, had, if it was trying to make you feel something for these robots, success. Because we see a variety of relationships and we feel something for those relationships and we feel bad. We start to empathize with these robots, which is precisely what Westworld wants you to do. Right. So you can spend 40K a day. Right. Teddy gets off the train and this time the sheriff looks past him. And Jessica and I talked about this this morning. Yes, a lot. The thing I love about this is the sheriff looks past him because my guess, and this is something I said to Jessica, was the programming demanded that the sheriff interact with a guest versus a host. If the opportunity presents itself. If the opportunity presents itself. So this program runs every day. The sheriff stands up there with these other two deputies and they talk about evil Hector. And guys are walking by and he's like, I think you got the medal. And if there are no guests there at that particular moment in that particular routine, then he asks... Teddy. Uh, And Teddy's always going to say no. Yes, Teddy or a host. And Teddy's always going to be programmed to say no. 
Why? Because it's not something they want Teddy to do. It's, it's a, not it's his storyline. It's a storyline for a guest. So I love how these people get off the train behind Teddy and the sheriff, the intelligence, the artificial intelligence is, 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 is hip enough to look right past Teddy, look at these humans and engage them to see if they want to go on this crazy adventure. Again, that's what they're paying for, right? Right. It's great. What a, just a nice subtle touch. And we now see in this day how the guests throw off or force subroutines and alternative storylines to develop around the hosts. We see a lot of it because we're setting up the same day about to repeat itself, but just these little interactions, like Dolores says earlier, one chance encounter could change your life. We're watching every tiny thing, the effect that it has on the day as a whole. It's not just the sheriff asking Teddy or not asking Teddy, but then when he's in the bar, um, Maeve, the madam, doesn't talk to him. She's too busy talking to some newcomers. Correct. um, So they don't converse at all. He doesn't go outside to meet with Dolores because he gets stopped by these um, newcomers who have been there before one of them. And he's like, oh, last time this guy showed me around, like he was really cool. We got to go talk to him. Small variations. Exactly. And then we see the interaction of the man in black. So the man in black steps in. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Would the man in black have stepped in earlier in the day? No, because we're going on the assumption that he's the newcomer at this point. So he interrupts the whole thing because now he wanders in and throws the whole thing off as well. And that's what we're seeing. So we're seeing three different groups of guests interrupt the storylines that play out every day. That we saw yesterday, basically. Even though they still try to fulfill the same objectives. The, the, the guest. Uh, and the you hosts. still see them trying to do it. Yes. Teddy, as expected, goes after Dolores, but of course the man in black interferes and uh, he enters the saloon to play cards after. But before he enters the saloons, he says, sorry, Dolores, I have other plans. Have a pleasant evening. Mm. And Dolores is unsettled by yes. this, which she shouldn't be. Based on her reactions to things in the past, her reaction should be to act like this didn't happen. There is no weirdness with him knowing her name, just like she reacts to the photo, but she doesn't. She seems very unsettled to me. And I think that that's an important distinction, that there is something more to her. There is something where she's seeing more than she should or taking in more than she should. So this is something else I appreciate. When you go to Westworld and you're going to go on this interactive experience, you think about it as this really advanced theme park. You're going to go, you're going to drink some beers, you're going to go to a saloon, you're probably going to sleep with somebody. You're probably going to jump on your horse, ride off into the canyons, and hunt Kill down some people. So the it begs the question: Why have a Dolores model? She's obviously not a saloon girl. She's obviously not a prostitute. She's obviously not some bounty hunter or sheriff. What does she serve in the narrative? And that's where the shit gets really wild mm. to think about, right? Because she's not there to really serve a a visceral pleasure, unless unless it's just to be a victim, she, right? And I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is, right? Um, maybe she's very specific in this role to the man in black. Who knows? He might drop a lot of money there. And Who knows? But I'm sure there are people who are set up to be that because that seems to be something that people want to do. Yeah. Because he says to her, like, oh, you know, I want you to fight. It's, it's more fun that way. So he right. doesn't just want to go bang a prostitute. In the chat, Daniel says, damsel in distress. That's got to be it. Yeah, for sure. It's got to be it. Yep. I like that. That's a, that's a good catch. It's got to be. Yep. It's got to be. Because we know the, the we know the point is for her father to be victimized, and then for her to be like, "Oh no, yeah, for so her family to be sense. killed." Yeah, that makes sense. Right, makes perfect sense. Good catch, Daniel. So yeah, he goes to play cards across from Kizzy. Kizzy, 
Some call him Kissy. Some call him Kizzy. I don't know what to it's call him. K I S S Y. He's like a strange-looking, short little man. He is a he is a unique-looking cat, isn't he? I've never seen anyone like him. No. I couldn't even find him on the cast list. The only reason I know his name is because subtitles. Subtitles told me. <laughs> so we cut to the expedition of the newcomer and his wife. <laughs> These guys are such DBs. They're so they're funny. Such, they're such DBs. Um, they find a corpse. So Hector's work. The sheriff sets. He gets off his horse. The newcomer asks him about how much longer this is going to take. His wife wants to go back to town. And the sheriff has a bit of an issue, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's funny. There's this this constant theme of like the flies landing on the robots and them not Indeed. reacting to it. And that's what starts this reaction is a fly lands on him and he malfunctions, essentially. Mm-hmm. Starts yeah. stroking out. You know, it's funny. <laughs> it's awkward for everybody. <laughs> Signs of stroke, baby. So, you know, I knew the fly was there because I just... I just assumed it was going to be a setup for her smashing the fly. But you're right. But you knew that was going to happen? No, but you're right. It lands on him and he immediately freaks. Yeah, that this is one of definitely an ongoing visual theme they're they're going with here with the flies. Yeah, it must be weird because it it goes against all programming to not smash it or wave it away from your face. No, but the program is they can't hurt anything. I know that, but it must cause it must just be a weird state of being for that to occur. For this uncomfortable thing to be crawling on your face and you your program demands you do nothing. Just weird. Yeah. Must feel weird. I mean, they're robots. They can't really feel anything, do you? But they must. No, but they must. So we cut to the expedition and, oh, I'm sorry. I just said that. Yeah, we already cut there. So I also like the instinct of the newcomer to say, Sheriff? Yes. we. Yeah. That's important. They're so lifelike that immediately when this happens, he's like, oh my God, this human is hurt. And his wife's like... It's having a problem. Let's go back to town and have dinner, please. But that's not She's the a bitch. right. But that's not the immediate reaction. That comes a second later when they're like, "Oh yeah, we're at which yeah, His reaction is sheriff, and her reaction is, "I'm a bitch." Yeah, it's wild. So we get we get a hard cut to the lab. Lee is we meet another new character. He's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Now, I ask myself, Lee, you're not a programmer. Who fucking cares about your dumb opinion? But then I started to put myself in Lee's position and I started to feel for Lee because Lee is responsible for writing all of the narratives and storylines. IRL, there would be like a whole team on this, honestly. I'm sure there is a whole team. I'm sure there is a whole team. But my point is, is my point is that he fucking, whenever one of these guys gets pulled, he has to rewrite shit. And that can be a nightmare. Imagine if you had this whole book written and people were like, well, this character's got to go and this oh, character's going to go and then life. that character's going to become this character. This character's going to be switched around. It's a nightmare. That's crazy. That's probably how Stephen King feels when they try to make his books into movies and he's like, you suck. So. Yeah, he's upset. Uh, they think that this malfunctioning thing might be part of the update. 10% of the robots have been updated already. Mm-hmm. Teresa wants to pull them, but that's 200 hosts. And he explains that that will not work. Pulling one host... The story adjust. Pulling 200, it's chaos. Yes. Yeah. And that's, um, so we see conflicting things here. I like how we have a team that has different agendas. Um, I like that. I like that that's realistic in, in a, a organizational sense. You have her looking out for one thing. You have Lee trying to do his job and you have Bernard trying to do his job. And at times they're going to clash. And I like this dynamic. I think this is written well right away. Agreed. Which is funny because now we get to actually see humans interact. So up until now, we haven't seen a human relationship occur. We haven't seen a human interact with another human. Well, I mean, we saw a couple of humans interact with other humans a couple of times. But who? That you think's worth Ford talking when he was about. talking to Bernard earlier. Yeah, okay. And Elsie when she was talking to Bernard earlier. Right. But this is the only human interaction we get that is 
lengthy. I like this a lot. I like that we get to see them at work doing their thing, trying to keep Westworld going. This is hard fucking work. Agreed. So, uh, Teresa's worried the guests aren't going to be safe, that they're going to have to pull everybody. But Bernard says that they do not need to because the way the robots are programmed, they cannot hurt a fly, let alone a human. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. That's important because he says their core, his, his words are, their core programming is intact. Um, yeah, she her concern is the safety of 1,400 people. Makes yeah, which sense. which is kind of her. And they also paid a lot of money and they would sue the fuck out of you if one of them died. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure their liability insurance is off the charts. I can't even imagine. We get a look in on some newcomers. They're having a bit of a frat party, musing about the real crazy shit that happens in the canyons. They talk about how Teddy is their guide, and one of them, I think his name is Floyd. Says that Teddy is creepy as fuck. Yep. They also discuss using Teddy as target practice should they get bored. Yeah, that's, again, the people who come to Westworld are just awful people, so far it seems. They just want to kill people. Yeah, but I don't know if I agree with that. Oh, okay. Would you want to use a host for target practice when you got bored at Westworld? Maybe. Well, ew. Yeah, maybe. Not going to Westworld with you. (laughs) Fucking sure. No, but it begs the question. I think this is the the deeper philosophical meaning here is is what what do you? I guess I guess to each his own. I would say I I wouldn't. I would be more inclined to go with the sheriff and try to hunt down Hector. That would be fun to me. Hunt down hunt down the bad guy. Right? That'd be cool. Sure. That'd be something. Would, I would you be interested shoot in. him and kill him? Hector? Yeah. Forgot an opportunity for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bad guy. He murders people. That'd be fun. Plus, I know he's a fucking robot. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I know in the chat, there was some discussion going back and forth like, oh, it's a robot. Who cares? And some people are like, well, if you if you are indulging yourself with robots, what's to stop you from indulging yourself with people? That's sort of the, the gist of it. But but part of me says that when you're indulging yourself with these robots, that you part of you has to say they're not real. They're fucking machines. I'm shooting a machine. When I play a fucking video game, I know that I'm just destroying pixels. I'm not destroying anything other than some sort of machine i'm not i'm not really killing that guy when i play mafia 2 i'm killing this pixels in a storyline that i'm indulging in you know that it's a fantasy it's, you're living out a, like a fantasy it's not you know that there's no consequences to the action nobody's actually yeah right so there's part of that going on that's how they sell the whole fucking westworld experience right but the thing is as Lee talks about later and why he hates the yes, and this is update. brilliant. But I guess we'll wait until we get there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And this is something that... <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Why are you looking at me like that? Because you looked at me like you were going to murder me with an old West gun because I coughed. God. You got tuberculosis? I'm not a robot. I can't have that in my studio. I'm going to murder you. Something's wrong with Jessica's program and Aaron says in the chat, he might be right. <laughs> not supposed to cough. And if you are, you're supposed to turn your mic away like a pro. I did. I moved away from my mic. Um, I don't have anything to drink anymore. Why are you acting like you're being persecuted? I'm just telling you to move the mic. I am being persecuted. You have no idea oh, what it's no, like. It's so hard being a co Sometimes I cough into the mic and Dean says to move the mic. It's so mean. <sighs> my programming's broken too. I think we both need to be reprogrammed and fixed before the newcomers arrive. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> Hey, you know what's funny? What? I think that there is something fascinating about just the idea of this. I like this line of thought. Yep, that's pretty funny. Not funny. <laughs> fascinating is what I meant to say. No, but I like the idea of how depraved does it become, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about that when we get to that scene with Lee. Right, because on the one hand, you could say, all right, I'm indulging in, in acting out wild fantasies. But then on the other hand, there is, 
what compels me to want to see pain on this thing's right? There's that. Yeah. What compels me to want to see this thing feel anguish? There is that. And and if I want to get really cute, I could even say that when I play video games, I which is not often, but rarely, occasionally, if I find time to throw on like a Mass Effect game, I'm always trying to make the the good guy choices, which is odd because it's a fucking video game. But I could see myself in Westworld not wanting to harm these things for harming sake. Yeah, like a normal person. Like a normal person, I think would probably have the same reaction. There you go. Um, we do get another fly landing on face. Mm-hmm. Just want to throw that out there. Lands on Teddy's face and he just sits there like a... Like a hump. <laughs> Dolores outside. Um, She's painting horses. She is. I love how they're courteous to her. Isn't this another fascinating thing? The people or the horses? Yeah, the people. Yeah, I think the people are very The sweet. horses? The horses were courteous too. I really liked them. Excuse me, ma'am. Would you like me to stand still while you paint me? No, I liked the horses. It was so cool when she let that kid feed the horse. I'm like, that's my dream. I would go to Westworld and just like feed horses all day. You just see like the horse literally carrying her across the water because it's so courteous. What the fuck? What do you mean the horse was courteous to her? Oh, God. The horse opens doors for her. Here you go, Dolores. Have a seat. Let me pull out your chair. Silly shit. We didn't mean to disturb you. They're sold, right? This might be their first visit. They're like, wow, we didn't mean to disturb you. She's a fucking robot, but they can't help themselves because they empathize with her because they so look human. Alike. Right, they're human beings. So they're not going to shoot her. Pretty cool. And then the kid says, you're one of them, aren't you? You're not real. And she bolts. This she is a again a fight or flight response. unsettling to Dolores. It doesn't just go over her head. Like in other circumstances where there's like weird things and they ignore them. Um, this, again, unsettles her, which is interesting. Yep. Yeah, Damaris says the horses are robots and they're very passive. Yes, I know. They're very sweet and passive. Indeed. I guess I could just meet real life horses. I don't really need to go to Westworld. But will they be so courteous? I don't know. We see some cow rustling. Uh, Peter pulls something out of the ground that was partially buried. And this becomes a huge plot point in this episode. Yeah, it does. Later that night, he shows the image of Dolores. She says, it doesn't look like anything to me. And he keeps asking her. And she it doesn't look like anything herself. to me. This is the contingency programming. This is to keep her on track. But Peter should have found the photo and thought nothing of it, too. But, but he, he didn't. didn't. We move back to Teresa and Lee. Now we're going to talk about this shit. Lee says, when do you get to rotate home again? So we learned that these people are must be sequestered here. They must have a kind of a weird shift where they're out here for months at a time before they actually get to go back to the quote-unquote real world. Quote-unquote. Teresa tells him to get to the point. He apologized about his aggressiveness earlier, and then he starts to talk about the update. So a couple things. He says leadership might be in time, in need of a change, and I support you. He talks about, he apologizes for his behavior earlier when he was freaking out. He also starts to talk about the update. Yeah. And he talks about how you might want to roll back some of these updates. Tell not, me about Not only this. stop. Right. He doesn't just say, do we, first he says, do we need these updates? And then he says that the hosts seem too real. And not only should they stop the updates, but they should maybe roll it back. Mm-hmm. Because when people come in, they want to interact with robots. Like, do you actually want to think that your husband is fucking that real human that you're looking at and that mm-hmm. you're killing an actual human being? Because it's gotten to the point where they're so realistic having the fucking reveries that it's not a robot anymore. You're looking at a real person in a real life scenario. Question for you. Yes. You just got a free week to Westworld. I think I'd be scared to go, but okay. Would you go? Do I have to get on an airplane? Just answer the question. Jesus Christ. I don't know. I might 
be interested in going for the experience, but I think that this is something that would creep me out and give me a lot of anxiety, to be honest with you. What if they looked less human? Yeah, I mean, then that would be interesting, too. I mean, I like the idea so of it. So what creeps you out is the artificial life aspect. Yeah, and, like, people shooting people near me scares me. Like, I just feel like it would be anxiety-inducing for a human like me. <laughs> you sound like a blast. <laughs> you sound like a blast. I would go, I would have my backpack before they said world of Westworld. Yeah, I know you would. 100%. It'd be so fun. And what um, do you do? Bang prostitutes and kill people? Whatever. Whatever the day held that day. <laughs> whatever the day holds. I tell you what, man looks at me cross. You better be prepared to draw because it's draw time. Good Lord. Wow, I think it'd be fun. But you you couldn't get past that. You, you feel more like Lee in this respect. Yes. I don't think that that would, like, I would not be able to go out. I mean, I'd be fascinated in, like, conversing with these people and hearing their stories, but I wouldn't want to kill the bad guy or you know make out with somebody like that wouldn't work for me at all it it is just creepy they're 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 very much too human like if i was looking like that wild bill hickok i'd be all right like that'd be really cool i'd be like wow this is really fucking cool look at these cool robots right it's like going on fucking pirates of the caribbean at disney world so you feel that the you would feel too much empathetic response if they looked more like dolores and less like yeah, watching them get killed or mistreated and like seeing like dudes being like, yeah, I'm going to bang that chick later. I'm going to shoot that guy for target practice. I'd be like, these people fucking suck. They're assholes and I hate them. Gotcha. And you would stay home and watch what? What I watch on TV. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Bachelor instead. I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty like kind show with no murder. All right, we go back to uh, the saloon and sound garden. Black hole, it's a fucking song on the piano, but it's kind of not. I thought it was fucking cool. That's my song. Hope you guys like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, we see Kissy and the saloon keep. They share a moment. He calls him a corn husker. And uh, when Kissy walks outside, he gets his throat cut by the man in black. That's pretty For seemingly no fucking reason. Whoa. That was wild. It's yeah. at this point where I thought, this dude might be a sociopath. Why oh, is he that's just, when you thought it? Why is he just randomly stabbing this guy? It wasn't, Does he have a history with this guy? I, I don't know. Maybe he stabbed him a million times before. Um, I thought he was a sociopath when he's like, hey, Dolores, here I am to rape you again. I've been coming here for 30 years doing this shit. I was like, oh, you're pretty fucked up, dude. Yeah, not a sociopath. I take it back. When I he actually, said, I want you to struggle, I thought, okay, this guy's <laughs> not a nice guy. I got it right away. Yeah, what really bothered me is when he uh, when he was impolite. No, I'm kidding, but so impolite. So anyway, we go to the Westworld lab. Bernard fixes uh, the sheriff. Elsie comes in and says that there is a serious issue with one of the hosts. Yeah, before that is the dead kid photo. So just don't forget about that. It's not gloss over the photo of the dead child that Bernard has. Right. Ass- assuming. I don't know why else you'd be looking at a photo of a child unless well, it's a dead we, child that's going to come back later. We haven't seen it yet. No, it happens in the scene because I wrote, Bernard has a dead kid apparently. Oh, there you go. So that makes me think that that's when he looked at the photo. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's talk about the saloon slaughter. Um, oh, God. Oh, with scene. the milk again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's try to get past the milk. We can't do, comment on the okay. milk every fucking time do, it comes do you know what Jesus Christ. What makes me think of, though, is that... Um, you know how Jimmy Simpson's going to be in the series? Yeah, he's awesome. And for those of you, I, oh my God. I love Jimmy Simpson and I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. He's on that he's show cool. and he plays one of the McPoyle brothers and they always drink milk and it's so disgusting. So it's actually really funny that this is a the theme in the show. I the McPoyles would enjoy this. <laughs> 
Uh, Walter's walking around, a bunch of dead people. I'm not going to die this time, he says. That's fascinating. You're a growing boy. You're a growing boy. Yep, he's pouring water, uh, milk down in this thing's throat. <laughs> I wish it was water. Uh, he freezes. No, but when he drinks and it comes out of his like hole. Yeah, that was in the preview. That's, That's so that sweet. creepy. Yeah, he just stops. Management shuts that shit down. Elsie does say they are supposed to turn on each other, but maybe Walter got tired of buying it, Bernard notes. He says this kind of casually, but this is a big deal. Mm. Walter got tired of being killed, and this time he won. So we're seeing them go beyond their initial programming function. Like he's deciding that I'm not going to die this time. He says right. that. He says it. I'm not going to die, die this time. Ain't no one going to kill me. Right. This time. Yes. This suggests memory. So this is continuing with these little, you know, malfunctions. The sheriff wasn't an isolated incident. And Bernard says that's great news. They know that the problem is the update. Right. So now they just need to pull those 200 robots and fix the problem. Yes. Teresa knows that he went outside of his loop and that there is tremendous danger here. Yeah. So she's like, we're going to decommission him. We're going to recall all the robots. And they're going to cover it up by having a big saloon shootout. They're going to move it up in time. Right. They're going to change the timeline a little. So Lee's got some work to do. Yeah, he does. And later we see Bernard talking to Ford. There are mistakes in the reverie program. Ford talks about mistakes and evolution. Ford wonders about human advancement. We can keep people alive. I love this line, by the way. We can keep people alive and cure anything. It means that we are done. Yeah. That is intense. You know, it's 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 something that I think is very fascinating. You know, so many of common people's struggles are, am I going to have enough money to do this? Am I going to have enough time to do this? Am I going to keep my marriage alive? Am I going to keep my kids safe? Is my... Am I going to be able to put food on the table? My all these struggles. When you eliminate all those struggles, your assumption is is oh, it's gonna it's going to be bliss. Not necessarily. There are plenty of people who are fucking have money, have success, have all this shit, and they still have these depressions and all this shit. I don't even want to hear them complaining. So I'll take their money and all their shit, but and I'll be happy. The point here is Ford is suggesting that well, we've conquered everything. We can keep everybody alive. We figured everything out. Now what? What's the next step for humans? What else is there to do if we can do all of this shit? I like that. I like that kind of pessimism for this intrepid human spirit that says we can't achieve anything more than we already have. Therefore, we're basically obsolete. It's kind of what he's saying. It's a dark thought, but it might be part of why he's so fascinated by this artificial life. Mm -hmm. You must indulge me. The occasional mistake, he says. Yeah, someone in the chat, Daniel, said mistake on purpose, and I agree. I concur as well. I think that Bernard knew that this could possibly happen, that they could become self-aware. I think he wants that. I think he's fascinated by it and by how far he can actually go. Yep. We go to the desert. Man in Black talks about three liters of blood and how he left that in Kissy. He wants answers, he says. He calls Kissy livestock scenery. He's referring to, of course, the hosts. Most come here to get their rocks off or kill Indians, but there is a deeper level to this game, and you are going to show me how to get there. And then he scalps him. What do you think he means? I have no fucking clue. He's a mystery at this point. A deeper level to this game, meaning deeper depravity, a literal deeper meaning where they he's trying to find out more about the game and the machinations behind the game. There's something with him and Ford. There's some. There's something. Yeah. There's something with the two of them. There has to be. Mm-hmm. Dolores' Groundhog Day again. Yeah, except this time, Dad's been sitting outside all night. He is a hot mess. He is a mess. 
I had a question, which gave me an answer. You're not supposed to know. Yeah, I had a question you're not supposed to ask, which gave me an answer you're not supposed to know. He, he's warning her here. Hell is empty and all the devils are here, he whispers to her. She rides to town to get help from the doc. Of course, Dr. O'Rourke is not available. She runs into Teddy and asks for help. The outlaws arrive and they have to stay put. Unfortunately, get stuck in the town. And we get a look in on Lee, who says that Hector will come in a week early and offer a very chilling speech. I like that. He says, and I really worked on that speech after he robs the saloon. It's chilling. I love the way he says it. Like, he's so fucking proud of it. So, Hector shows up. We start the paint it black on the oboe. We get a look in on Lee, um, and the chaos erupts at the saloon. Awesome slow-mo action as he tosses the rifle to Armistice. She unrolls the rest of the rifles because it's way faster than reloading one of those old lever action rifles. She just lays them all out. Pan of Black continues. Hector shoots up shit. I love the lever action rifle work from Armistice. I love the action scene here. It's cool. Maeve wonders why he's robbing her with all these banks and everything else out here. Why did you pick me? Yeah. We see a familiarity between these two. What do you think about that between Hector and Maeve? They definitely bang sometimes for sure. For sure. There was definitely some sexual tension. I liked it. For sure. I like that he saves her when they're yeah. communicating and the safe's going to come down and he picks her up. He picks her up and moves her to the side. Yep. There's a familiarity between the two of them. She's not scared of him. She's not even flinched by that. Not scared of him at all. He says he was just trying to look chivalrous, Teddy, because he gets shot yep. in the back. Love this part, too, because, again, they're still trying to go towards the same goals. They still have the same story. And this is his line that he says to her. And before he's saying it all flirting while he gives her a can of food... And now he's saying it as he's dying, like his yep. dying words. I, I really, like I say, I love the bookends. I, I like this repetition, how one thing can change everything. Sure. I really do. I love Hector. I just want to say I, I love this character. I love his flair. I love his black dress up. I love his uh, he's weapons. Handsome. He's Yeah, he's fucking hot. He looks Attracted cool. To him. He's a cool dude. I like him. Outlaw and um, Armistice. That's her name. She's badass, too. But uh, two of the outlaws stay behind when they step outside, and they they reckon that they're going to take Clementine with them, but they get their faces shot off. Yeah, by Maeve, because she's this badass. Is beautiful. Maeve goes for her Derringer. Pop, pop. Gets rid of these two outlaws, and uh, then Hector tears down his wanted poster. Let this be a lesson, he says. The lesson is bang. <laughs> that was funny. I liked it. Shot in the neck from the guests. The guest then kills Armistice, and they freak the fuck out. Look, I... Look at this. I just shot him in the neck, he says. And the wife laughs. Look at her wiggle, right? Uh, yeah, what a bitch. Weird. It's a weird response to uh, to that. It's just a weird... What do you think about their reactions? Oh, I think that she likes to murder people. Yeah, but you say that about everybody. If anybody <laughs> shoots somebody in Westworld, they're a fucking psychopath according to your morality. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like a video game. Look at her squirm. So, yeah, you think you're right. Uh, Lee is devastated. Teresa says, maybe you'll get to your speech next time. Maybe. Dolores has to watch Teddy die again. Poor woman. It's She's- really sad. And she has a similar line, too, about their paths being um, intertwined. Their paths belong together. And she says this to him when he dies earlier as well. Right. Um, which is sad. Until then, you rest in a deep and dreamless slumber, right, Eric? Yep. Once Teddy's dead, she's freaking out. She sees Elsie and asks for help because her father's sick at home. And she says, soon this will feel like a distant dream. But until then... Um, once she puts Dolores to sleep, they have them all. They're ready to pull their hosts and uh, make sure that update's working. I thought it was fascinating that Elsie was in costume moving around. Yeah, it was awesome. As a plant. I wonder how many actual employees are walking around like this. Well, in this specific uh, circumstance, I imagine there were quite a few because they were trying to shut these 
host down and get them out right to go through their programming but then i also imagine in general they probably do have some like you know they probably got the quality control team on there right to say something like bop and like shut these guys down there's probably plants walking around running shifts mm-hmm. and uh interacting and, and but you'd have to be careful you got to stay away from the people because you fuck it up if you're there and they're like i'm gonna interact with you and you're like i work here that room you <laughs> don't want to pretend you don't want to pay forty thousand a day to see fucking goofy take his head off and traumatize your kids when he's smoking <laughs> cigarettes you know what i'm saying like that's like a big no-no at disney like you can't be a character and be seen without your costume on yeah they gotta go underground right right don't they go underground at disney yeah yep i heard about that that scares me <laughs> so elsie consoles Dol- dolores dolores goes out and then westworld control just walks in and they come kind of come out of nowhere i love this they're there instantly they're everywhere yeah Bernard says that most are checking out fine, but one of them is not. And they make you think it's yeah, Dolores. It's cool. But it's Love not. It, Dolores is basically selling her dad out without knowing it. All right, I'm going to paraphrase some of the interview stuff here, but we will. Do you want to talk about Dolores's and then Peter's, since Peter's is a little bit more. Yeah, whichever way, whichever order you want to go in. So Dolores wakes up in a panic. They switch her to, cogn- to cognition mode only. Which I love that. They're like, okay, no emotions, unnecessary. Great acting for these guys to change on a dime here. Oh, yeah, she, they're great. She's no great. emotional stuff. He tells her to lose the accent. Do you know where you are? She I says, love to lose the accent. Yep. She says in a dream, uh, she is afraid. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? No. Has your father, he was scared. He wasn't thinking right. He showed you a picture. Was there anything odd about it? She says, no, nothing at all. It didn't look like anything to me. Same thing she was saying earlier. Yes. Your father whispered something. What was it? He said, these violent delights have violent ends. Of course, this is Romeo and Juliet, correct? Yes. And this is the second, third Second time we've already quoted Shakespeare mm-hmm. because hell is empty and the devils are here is also Shakespeare. Yes. Um, violent delights have violent ends is Romeo and Juliet. That's I right. That's what I think it is. Yep. The friar. Does this mean anything to you? No, I don't think so is her response. He then asks, have you ever lied to us? And she says, no. Would you ever hurt a living thing? She says, no, of course not. We move over to Peter Abernathy. What happened to your program? He says, when we were born, we come into this great stage of fools. That's more Shakespeare. Do you have access to previous configurations? Yes. Oh, this is actually, is this Ford? This is Ford. Ford tells him to access it. He does. What is your name? Peter Abernathy. What are your drives? This is great. Tend to my herd. Look after my wife. He's good old boy again. Mm -hmm. My daughter Dolores. I am who I am because of her. I wouldn't have it any other way. And then he says, I have to warn her the things that they do to her, the things you do to her. This shows an awareness beyond his programming because he's yes. singling them out as they are in, in essentially accusing them of being responsible for the bad things that happened to Dolores, which shows a high level of awareness, way outside of his programming. I have to protect her, he says. I have to help her. She's got to get out. Bernard notes that they are miles beyond a glitch here. Ford says, access your current build. What is your name? Rose, he says. What is rose your is a rose is a rose. A rose is a rose, rose. Which is Gertrude Stein. Yeah. What is your itinerary? To meet my maker. What do you want to say to him? By most mechanical and dirty hand, this is King Lear, I believe, I shall have such, Henry. is it, revenges on you Fourth. both. And then King Lear's mixed into this quote, though. If I'm yeah, they're mistaken. different quotes. I will have revenges on you both. That's definitely King Lear. And then um, the things I will do to you, what they are, yet I know not, but they will be the terrors of the earth. You don't know where you are, do you? You are in a prison of your own sins. So, by most mechanical and dirty hand, I shall have such revenges on you both. 
When he added both, I had to go to the Shakespeare Court online to see if they, he says both, and he does. I was kind of disappointed because I was hoping he was acknowledging more than one person in the room, like saying, I'm going to do it to both of you because I, I know what's going on. He meant it. He looked at both he of them. He definitely meant still, it because he does look at them. Right. Ford says that they have used this host in a number of roles. He was Abernath Sheriff and a professor from a narrative called The Dinner Party. A horror narrative, Sounds guys. amazing. Sounds like this movie I saw called The Invitation. A honestly. cult leader turned cannibal who courted Shakespeare. That explains the John use of Shakespeare. John Dunn and Gertrude Stein. So Bernard fragments of prior builds. The uh, reveries allow him to access them. Ford says no cause for alarm. So Ford is fairly, seems very unflappable as Anthony Hopkins characters are. That's how they always are. They're never always unflappable. unflappable, never surprised by anything. They're always a step ahead of you. Love to eat people too. So... What do you think? <laughs> that was a good one. So what do you think of Ford's cavalier attitude here? Do you think he's trying to... I think he wanted this to happen. You he wanted to see if this was possible. I do. Like mad scientist shit. Yeah. Yeah. Not like I'm trying to destroy Westworld, but no, more like, like I I'm think trying he's to push trying the to limit. create humans right. from nothing. Right. Real humans. Yes. I think you're right. Because what is there left? Once you can save all humans, right? As he says earlier in the episode, once you can save them all, Imagine if you could just simply create them, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not talking about pushing them out of your vagina. I'm talking about in a lab, make a fucking person. And it's is indistinguishable from any other human being. Right. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to push the limit here. I think so. But Bernard seems more concerned than he does. Yeah, because Bernard's a normal person and doesn't want robots to have artificial intelligence in life and fucking take over the world. Yes. So... Stubbs notes that Dolores has been repaired so many times that she's practically brand new. She is the oldest host in the park. Um, this excites me. I got Very really, excited. really, really excited um, the first time I was watching this and he says this um, because this means that there is just a wealth of, of storylines and of things we can have from her. There's something to that. She's not the oldest host in the park for no reason. That fucking matters. Mm-hmm. She's going to be incredibly important in her ability to access different personalities she's had different lives that she has lived is gonna be really really fascinating and there's a lot you can get there's a lot of mileage you can get from this this park is over 30 years old we know right. that at least i mean that's pretty fascinating I, I agree and and it begs the question is she more advanced than say peter we're gonna say that in a second has she been has she been aware of has she been lying for a while has I don't necessarily know that she's for a while? lying. Or are we, are, we, we are we experiencing her awakening or is, or is she holding something up her sleeve? We don't know. And that's what's exciting too. Right. We don't know. Is she able to lie to these people and that's what she's been doing? Maybe. Or is she really doesn't know yet and we're going to still continue to see it happen slowly? Who knows? Well, we see her smash the fucking fly. That's very telling. Oh, yeah. That's um. That's the very end. About that. right. Yeah. But I, I, part of me wonders if she's being kind of deceptive in a sense. It's certainly possible. Mm. Like she's becoming aware and she's like, I'm kind of on to this. Yeah. I have some memories here. I'm going to say the things I think I'm supposed to say. I think she's very slowly becoming aware. And maybe right. she's not even necessarily lying completely, but she's starting to see that something's wrong. Yeah. All right. Uh, Aaron in the chat says he doesn't think she was lying until the fly murder. That's very possible. Maybe she's just, things are starting to get to her though. Are you even real? I mean, she gets upset at that. We see different memories surfacing throughout the episode. Anyway, he asks her what she thinks of this world. She goes right back to the beginning. Your bookends are here. Yep. Some people choose to see ugliness, the disarray. Um, we see daddy getting put away. I choose to see the beauty, to believe there is an order to our days. 
We see Teddy putting his hand over his old wound. Yep, which I think is super important too. We're watching them become more and more and more self-aware. In right, so Teddy's having a memory, a reverie. That he doesn't even realize. Yeah. Right, of being shot in a prior life. Uh, men in, uh, man in Black plays with a scalp and rides into the like desert. Fucking creep is away. Probably ate that guy's brain too. Thing, speaking of Anthony Hopkins, it's a good thing the fucking it's a good thing the robots are here to keep the, to, to so we can talk about normal things. Uh, I know I know things will work out the way they're supposed to, she says, and then she smashes a bug and we cut hard to the credits. Wow. Yeah. Um, and she has a new dad, too. Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. She has fucking Bill the Butcher dad. She's got a new dad. It's the saloon guy. They just rearranged the parts a little. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously what they shot. did before with. Right. Well, it doesn't matter. No, I'm sure they put the somebody yeah, new in the, they took somebody out of cold storage and said, here you go, you're the saloon person now. Very cool. Bill the Butcher's out there. Bill the Butcher. Um, when she kills the fly, that's the best part. And I just like watching it. Like you knew that was what going to happen. Like you knew this, how the episode was going to end, mm-hmm. but it didn't make it any less awesome. I agree. Floyd Fry asks, is there any significant of the modern picture of where it was found? What do you think about that? You think that was a, probably uh, it was buried. So that's something. Listen, this is JJ Abrams. Okay. Don't worry. Everything's going to come back and have significance, but then they'll never answer all your questions. <laughs> What's funny about the idea of a picture is, I bet there's some sort of protocol that says, okay, here's the, sti- here's the one stipulation to Westworld. You have to come into Westworld, but before you do, you have to go into this chamber, you have to declothe, you have to come to the other side, and we have to make sure you have nothing with you. Yeah, you can't bring your cell phones in. You can't do any of that nothing. stuff. They're going to dress you in the period clothes. Yep. You walk, you, you take your clothes off, you go through this examination, you go into the next room, and then you have your... You, it's So total security would be yeah. my guess. I agree. Right. And and I bet there's total security because there's probably been a breach before where somebody else found a photo or a fucking cell phone or some right. idiot did something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I bet as time has gone on, they've become more and more tight with security. But I imagine that something like this doesn't happen every day. And the fact that it's buried means it was probably there from a while ago. Or deliberately put down there. Or deliberately put down there. Right. In an attempt to cause this fuckery. Yeah. I like it a lot. There's That's a lot right. of questions to be answered. We're not going to get on all of them uh, this time. Uh, we have no idea. Is it possible that Dolores buried that picture in an attempt to uh, set this whole thing in motion? Uh, is it possible the man in black buried it? Who knows? I really hope Dolores is more fucking cunning. I think so. I, I'm really going to like that. Yeah, I don't think she's just going to be a polite woman trying but to make her I way. I think she might be a polite woman until like the season finale and all of a sudden she's going to be like, I've been on to you the whole time, motherfuckers. Come back yep. for season two. Yep, could be. This season ends with her stabbing Anthony Hopkins or something. Um, I don't want him to die, though. Well, they can't afford that fucker for too long. <laughs> I thought he was going to die in the first episode. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was saying this to Dean when he's talking to Abernathy. And Abernathy's like, oh, I want to meet my maker and fucking kill him. I was like, holy shit. They're going to kill Anthony Hopkins right now. They built him like a main character, but he's Anthony Hopkins. They can't afford him. They spent $100 million on this. How, how, how long can Anthony Hopkins really be in this before he dies? Because the answer is not long. Not long. So I was like, they're going to kill him right now. And I'm going to be like, okay, that was it. It was worth it though. All right. But no, well, he's hanging around. Let's get to a couple of listener comments here and then we will uh, oh, sure. we will wrap this thing up and call it a night. And uh, do you have anybody you would like to read? Not quite yet. All right. <laughs> I would like to read uh, Damaris. Damaris. Uh, there sure was a lot packed into the first hour of the pilot, but that necessarily was not a bad thing. I felt it gave us a good setup for what's to come. Let me show you all my cards. Just know you're not going to see the tricks coming. I'm curious about all the tight shots of the eyes. Is that a play at the eyes are windows to the soul? Hmm. I like this a lot. 
The other thing I like about that is the idea that we have like a fly crawling across somebody's eye and they ignore it. Yeah. Um, eyes. Yeah, that's a good one. Ed Harris, the man in black is completely terrifying. What is his end game? Does his evilness carry over in his real life? That's a question we didn't even ask. Is he a psycho when he fucking leaves Westworld? What does he do outside? What does Murders he sit down people, and I think. watch reruns of fucking Cheers? Like, what does he do? What, what the fuck? Fairly certain he just murders real people in real life. His story might be as compelling as uh, uh, his story might just be as compelling as what will transpire for the hosts of Westworld. Good stuff, Tamaris. Thank you very much for taking the time to write in and for always being supportive and listening and for running with your sister, Maria, our wonderful Pinterest page, um, which you can get to from the main website, LibertyGeek.net. So make sure you check out all the Pinterest stuff they put up. They find awesome pictures and they just made a Westworld one. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, Jessica, who do you have? Well, I just want to read two things. One is just a quick, um, Nick Krivik yes. says, I'm really interested to learn what Ed Harris's character is up to. He's the most fascinating part of the episode. Maybe just because he was so good. Maybe because it kept reminding me of the Truman Show, which I said earlier. Mm. Either way, great stuff all around by him in the show. I'm just glad that somebody else saw that uh, strange comparison sure. that I also made. And then I also want to read Daniel Fouch. Go. Cool. Uh, my thoughts on season one, episode one. This show represents for me what it is meant by the golden age of television. Free from censorship and beyond the need to titillate for its own sake, Westworld has set out to tell its own compelling story. The episode sets out to show us the world and gives our first set of questions. It delivers in spades. The casting is spot on and the actors deliver from Dolores all the way down to the newcomer's annoying wife. <laughs> the man in black is menacing as hell and mysterious. The music is a perfect complement to the stunning visuals. The zoom outs to a huge 3D war table blew me away. Seeing how the androids are made and kept really fleshed out for the world out. <laughs> Seeing how the androids are made and kept really fleshed out the world for. I'm confused. I, I'm misreading the sentence, but it's fine. I uh, can't wait to see more. Awesome. I wanted to comment too that, that I love the 3D table when they're watching it. That's really cool when you get the zoom out on that. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. That's how they keep track of things. Awesome. So Good stuff. Cool. Thank you guys very much. And before we go today, if this is your first time listening to us, this, of course, is our first official episode. Here's what we need you to do. You have to go and rate and review us on iTunes. We beg of you to do please, this for us. Please, God. Uh, we got a lot of traction with our Stranger Things podcast because of the reviews and the participation from our listeners. We couldn't be more happy with the performance of that podcast's and um, we're hoping to repeat some of that here with Westworld. That drove a lot of new people to listen to the Science Fiction Film Podcast, which had its best month in downloads ever last month, September, and by, by a lot. It was pretty significant. And a lot of that comes from new exposure from our other casts. Every time we launch a podcast, we're doing it because it's a lot of fun. We want to get you the content. And we only ask something very simple of you on these TV uh, podcasts. And that's just rate and review them. Simple. Share, rate and review. Done deal. Awesome. Easy peasy. Any final thoughts for Westworld? I'm really, really excited about where this is going to go. I have really high hopes. I had high hopes for the premiere. I wasn't disappointed. I think there's so much they can do and they can really drag this thing out if they want it. I mean, there's a wealth of fucking stories you can tell. There's a million humans that are going to go in there and there's a million hosts that we can hear their backstory. So I, I think this is going to be good. I like it. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Um, I think my final thoughts could be easily summarized as my opening thoughts were, which was, there are limitless possibilities here. Without limits, ha, 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 as the name of our podcast. You're hilarious. There's a lot That's of, uh, ever. Uh, true. 
Uh, there are a lot of... That's not true, actually. Check the reviews. <laughs> Some people think I'm kind of funny. Some people think I'm annoying. Some people think I'm a misogynist. Yeah. I get it all. Me too. Oh, shit. You better watch yourself or I'll correct you with my hand, woman. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, I my 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 thoughts can be easily summarized uh, as they were in the beginning, which is there's a lot of fucking potential here for a variety of interactions. I'm excited about it. I'm not going to believe you that point. I'm simply going to say thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll never miss an episode and join us in the live chats. We're going to get out of here. Take it easy. Bye, guys. Bye.